I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So this week's interview is with a woman by the name of Smita Singh. I met her at a fundraiser recently called Restored, and she's working out of Calcutta, India. She's from the area, and she's been working with women, uh, trafficked women, for many, many years. And it's a it's a difficult interview at times, but she talks about things like gender disparity and poverty not being the only push factor with respect to things like human trafficking. And she talks about the the, the disconnect and the re- relationship and the, the opportunity for restoration. I think you're going to really, you're not going to love this interview, but I think what you are going to do is you're going to fall in love with Smita. She's a terrific woman who is doing an incredible work. Check it out. Don't forget to also check out Real Change is Incremental. It's on the digital bookshelves now. And I just released a collected version, a uh, collected edition of some essays called Irreconcilable Differences with Jason, Dr. Jason Robinson. Check that out as well. We'll be in touch soon. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. 
Well, welcome to Face to Face. Uh, we are joined today by a very special guest who I'd like to say has come all the way from India for the interview, but uh, that might be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, her name is Smita Singh. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Smita. Thank you so much, David, for having me here today. I I met you uh, just a few nights ago. Actually, I was sitting in the back row at a fundraiser that you were speaking at, so we didn't actually meet. I guess we, we kind of theatrically met, Smita, okay. I suppose you could say. Well... That's nice. You, you saw me. Exactly. And you were speaking a little bit about the work that you were doing, and I was so compelled. I, I called the, the president of the organization, and I wanted to, to, to chat with you a little bit more about the work you do. You do very challenging work. So Smita works in uh, human trafficking. She is involved uh, with an organization in India called Mahima. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that, uh, I think, in the next few minutes while we while we chat. Smita, tell me a little bit about, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you, and I think my listeners would, would enjoy that as well, as we go into what is really a very difficult issue, and, mm-hmm. and, and clearly one of the pressing issues of our time, it seems to me, this whole idea of human trafficking and slavery and so on. It's very complex, as you said on Saturday night, and and very um, difficult to work through. There are no easy solutions, it seems. But I'm I'm kind of interested to know a little bit more about who you are and where you're from and why you chose to to take this issue on. Right, David. I am from Calcutta, India. I've lived there all my life. That is home for me. And um, growing up in a a society where um, there is a lot of injustice all around me all the time, but um, my family, my church, my people I associate with have always been uh, just people who've wanted to reach out and uh, not just look away when we see mm. things. So my training has been in as a psychologist, and I work with people with addictions. And that's what I did for a very long time until I just felt that you know there was more that I could do for uh, people around me. And I happened to uh, get into a job with an organization called International Justice Mission. Mm-hmm. So even at that point, not really knowing what exactly it would mean, until I really went for a rescue operation to bring out uh, some young girls who were supposedly being coming to be sold in a hotel for um, a sex party. And uh, waiting at the hotel with the police for these people to bring the children, I was really shocked to see, because I've lived in Calcutta, I've seen women in prostitution, but just to see that how young these girls were, and more than that, just to see how family members were bringing these children to a hotel room uh, knowing full well that they were going to receive money for some men to have sex with their daughters. And this was for the first time for them. So when they were, you know, the police walked in and the arrests were made and this family was asked, the father was asked to come and identify one of the girls and say, which one is their daughter? He holds all this money in his hand, which is wrapped up in newspaper as the police have handed it to him. And he stands there and he says, but no, none of these girls is my daughter. And this wow. child who's 14, sitting beside me on that hotel bed and is crying, saying that that is my father. I don't know why he's saying he doesn't know me, because he told me he was taking me for an outing. Wow. So I think that was just... Um, yeah, you're sending a shiver up my spine. I mean, you know, I hear I hear a story like that, Smita, and, yeah. and there's a part of me, and I and I work in, as my listeners know, I work in this this field mm-hmm. of international de- development and social change and justice, there's a part of me that doesn't want to believe your story. 
I know it's very hard. It was difficult for me. It was a shock for me, even though I live in that society. But just to see that, and it happens so often. But again, there are many situations. I mean, maybe 70% of the time, it's not parents like this. It's right. Parents who let their children go for jobs or feel that they're getting a good marriage for their child because this man is not asking for a dowry. He's not right. asking for money, but not knowing where their children end up. So it works both ways, but this is the reality. I mean, kids as young as 10 and 12 and 13 are being abused every single day in my city. And uh, it's hard to find them because people go to huge lengths to keep them hidden because they make so much money for them. Yeah. So when the rescues happen, they're mad. They want to get these girls back. Yeah, I've heard I've heard uh, very similar yeah. stories uh, mm-hmm. from, from Cambodia where where um, uh, young women have been rescued, young girls have been rescued, taken to homes and so on, and then very difficult, very challenging, and then a few days later the police end up at the door and basically, as a result of corruption and bribery and so right. on, will take them out and, 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 and bring them back to the, you know, to the brothels and so on. It's, it's such a, it's such a um, hmm, systemic issue, it seems. Um, before, I mean, I've got so many questions for you, Smita, <laughs> but, you know, you made, the, you, 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 you used the phrase, I, I, I think you used the phrase, I grew up in a family of people who reached out to others. Yes, yes. So I'm always interested to know what is it that drives somebody who gets into this kind of work? Because I think, you know, on some level, Smita, I think you're a crazy nut. Like, I <laughs> I think there's a part of you that's absolutely nuts to be doing the work you're doing. But I, I love it, and I'm inspired by it and compelled by it. And And I think anyone who gets into this field is working on a different level. You know, I hate to say the phrase, they're wired differently, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's got a deterministic edge to it. But mm-hmm. but you clearly made a choice, and 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 so did it come from your friends? Was it your upbringing? Was it your church? Was it your just your overall ethic? D- does that make sense? Yes, it does. And uh, to be very clear, um, when I got into this, it wasn't me. It was I just think that it was a decision that God called me to do it. I did it for three years, and I was ready to quit. Believe me, because like you said, it was I felt that I was. It was ridiculous that I was doing this work. We were rescuing all these girls and putting them into homes that did not have facilities. Girls were running away, running back to the brothels. They were Mm -hmm. just in a mess because almost 80% of the girls we were rescuing were getting re-trafficked. And I was like, Lord, this is not something that I can take anymore because it's hard getting them out and then seeing them back. But I think um, I've never had experiences where... God has spoken to me more clearly than he did in 2008. And um, he did, and it's just that, you know, something from the scripture that came to me, and when I opened it, I didn't listen to him for some time because I didn't want to uh, look at what he was trying to tell me. But when I did and opened the scripture to the verse that he had for me, which was from Joshua 6.22, and I'm not a big Old Testament person. <laughs> I didn't know all, all the verses there, and it gave me shivers because that day I opened it, and it just says that it's Joshua telling the spies that go into the house of the prostitute and bring her mm-hmm. and her family out as you have promised to her. And I was at a juncture where I was looking for another job, and uh, I didn't want to do this, but that was where God wants me to be, and I'm just obedient to his call, and... Uh, since then, I've seen just this huge change because 2009 onwards, we got partners who wanted to do aftercare mm. homes in Calcutta, Christ-centered aftercare homes, 
and uh, now Mahima is five years old. So this was not my doing. Uh, God had a plan in that, and that is where I am today. So would you would you be doing would you be like an accountant if you weren't a person of faith? No, I was always a person of faith. Oh, okay. But I was a psychologist, um, and I was working with uh, people with addiction. Yeah. And so that is, again, another area that I just felt at that time of my life is what God wanted me to do. And but that's still that's still a position of sort of reaching out, right? That's still a position yes. of, of helping yes. others. And I'm, I guess I'm always fascinated by, by people who go into this field who want to help others build capacity. Because that's what Christ teaches me mm. to do, David. Yeah. That's what he teaches me, that that is what he did, and that is what makes me who I am. My identity is in him, and I want to be... It's always a journey. I want to be more like him. But it's a big task that I try in whatever way I can to, um, yeah. So what what did you learn as a psychologist that has helped you uh, with the work that you've been doing, working Huge. with the young women, with the men, and so on? Yeah, first of all, I think just the, the training and discipline to work right. with children who've been traumatized. Right. It's so hard to hear their stories and not be affected by it. Yeah, I would imagine. But to be able to uh, distance myself a bit so that I am able to help them out with that. So that has been huge for me. And then, of course, just knowing um, you know, how to structure the program, how to make it more efficient. It's, most of the programs in Calcutta don't have that structure. They're not professional. They don't have a plan for the girls. There are no treatment plans where girls are a part of it. Assessments are not done. Because just the whole idea of having people take these girls through in a you know in a thought out manner in a planned manner, planning for their reintegration from the day they enter, it may happen five years down the line. But just we are looking at ways in which to take the girls back into the community. So that takes a lot of planning and uh, just professional uh, training and thinking on getting how to get that done. So I guess my background as a psychologist has really, really helped me in doing that. And I'm not a great administrator, right. so I'm glad that I have found, and I just think God has led these fantastic people on my team who kind of complement the areas where I am not so strong and have helped me in develop the program and sustain it and just building it up in five years. It's been a huge growth. We started with one home for 25 girls because that's how we felt we wanted to move away from what the norm is in Calcutta, and that is huge, large warehouses of girls. Mm. You have 120 or 50 girls staying in one place and maybe 10 or 15 staff to to look after them. So to move away from that model, to have smaller homes, have more staff to care for these girls because... They have so many issues that come out at every point of time during the day. They I need someone to kind of de-escalate at all the time and to talk and help them to, you know, look at that stuff. So this so, this this goes way beyond just a intervention. This goes way beyond just rescuing these young yes. women. This has to yes. do with reintegration and restoration and building right. relationships over the long term. Right. Yes, it does. And that is why the challenge is that we don't just take them in for, like, the emergency hospital. This is, like, specialized care, long-term care for them. And that takes them through from uh, emotional healing, through all the counseling and uh, trauma-focused care, to education, their health, their 
vocational training, job skills readiness, getting them into internships and trainings outside the home, uh, finding jobs for them, uh, helping them to stay in the job and you know, save up some money for some time before they're really required to move out of the home. It really is incredible and important work. I, I, uh, I, I'm astounded that there's um, I, I think I read a stat recently that slavery is a more complicated and difficult problem and a, a, mm-hmm. a worse, more extreme problem today than it was, you know, okay. in the time of slavery, right. you know, when we refer to the William Wallaces mm-hmm. of the world and so on. And there's about 30 million people in, in a form of bondage or slavery of one yeah. kind or another. Yeah. What What's going on here? I mean, I mean, it's a crazy question, I know. But how is it that you can get to a point where a father can disown his daughter in such a vulnerable, horrific, and tragic situation? Um, uh, Forget about the issue with the police officer. What about Mm -hmm. bringing her there in the first place? I mean, how does a family, how does a person get to a place like that? These are certain families, David, that we have in India that are uh, generationally, they've been in prostitution. So Mm. uh, it's... Hmm. The whole community of people who are from the Agra region, uh, where the Taj Mahal is, and we think that's the symbol of love, and these people come from that area, and uh, traditionally that's what they do. Their daughters are groomed from a young age. Uh, They know that this is what my aunts have done, this is what my family people have done over time, and it's just so deeply ingrained in them that uh, they don't even think it's wrong. They just believe because their parents are the ones who live with them in the brothel. Their parents are the ones who take the money for them. So it's like a whole family inside the brothel area. And uh, these girls have lived with us sometimes for two years even, gone through the motions of the program. But once they're released when they're 18, they go right back to these families and right back to the brothel, and we lose contact with them. Wow. So in fact, of the 132 girls we've cared for in Mahima home in the last five years, Nine we are not in touch with, and they are all from this particular community. So if I'm talking about re-trafficking rates, which used to be 80%, it's less than 10% at Mahima, but even these are just from that single one community. From the one community. Yes. So it's not, you know, I heard somebody recently, and I've certainly heard it many times from different people along the way. Stephen Lewis is a former UNICEF director here in Canada. He's written a book mm-hmm. called Race Against Time, and, and he thinks that, um, you know, equality, gender disparity, uh, oh, women's yeah. empowerment, I mean, this is the issue of our time. And if, if we could get that sorted out, mm-hmm. we can sort out a lot of other problems. So in relation to the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. this is not just a problem of demand, is it? Like the men and the, the purchasers, I mean, I'm sure there's women as well, but mostly men, I would imagine, mm-hmm. buying the sex, sex, this is also a systemic issue with culture and... Absolutely. And, 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 and I mean, it's astounding to me that a community has been doing this for so many years. It's just become, mm-hmm. a, it's become a part of who they are. Yeah, that is what they are. That is one community. But the rest of it, the other children who are getting trafficked, uh, it's like you said, it's a complex situation of many issues. Poverty is not the issue. Huh. I mean, just poor people don't sell their children. But it is, again, the gender disparity, the, the discrimination between boys and girls, just believing that girls are more dispensable, hmm. just believing that, you know, the boy is going to stay in the house and look after me in my old age. My daughter, I have to get her married. I have to make expenses. Right, right. So if she can go out and, you know, earn some money and bring it back, it's good for me, not knowing where she's going. So, Apart from that, even I think just in our society, 
It's just been from generations, for years, it's just been so acceptable that uh, prostitution is okay. So the kings and queens had it, the mythology kind of refers to it. Uh, so it's just come down the ages, and to change that, it's going to take a very, very long time. But uh, we are now at a place where we feel that it's not just stopping the supply by, you know, just by rescuing the girls is not going to help. We need to stop the supply. We need to educate the families from where they are coming, uh, the, the villages, the rural areas, and educate the families of how to keep their children safe. But on the other hand, we also believe that we need to address these issues on gender discrimination, on respect for women, on not for thinking that paying for sex is not okay with the young boys in schools and colleges. So that's where we are moving on in the next uh, few years is addressing this trying to change it uh, through the boys in grade 9, 10, 11, 12, and in college. There's, there's an organization here in, in uh, Toronto that I believe mm -hmm. is worldwide called the White Ribbon Campaign, and you're probably okay. familiar with their work, but essentially it's men um, working with boys and uh -huh. trying to, well, frankly, trying to restore their own sense of brokenness with respect, mm -hmm. I suppose, to their sisters and their mothers and their girlfriends mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. And, and trying to fight what seems to be this cultural sort of um, discrimination that seems to be mm -hmm. everywhere. It's a global issue, it seems mm -hmm. to me. It's just worse in some places, it's I suppose, than others. But, but the point is that they're working with boys. They're working with men to try to change their understanding and their attitudes, and it's about respect, and it's about relationship, and so on. Is that kind of work also going on in Kolkata? In, it's in not going on. So we want to start back this year. We're doing a small pilot to just mm. see how that will work and uh, my hope is that over the next three years to be able to reach a large number of uh, young boys um, in the schools and colleges because these are the guys who can get if they get a hold of it they can be excited about it uh, the college students have been very vocal and have been uh, very aggressive in the ways they've come out uh, in support of a lot of uh, you know uh, episodes of assault against women that have happened in the last mm -hmm. uh, year or so. So they are ready to, you know, take this up as a cause and to start the discussion going because even they realize that this is not going right for them. So I'm hoping that this will take off and we will be able to come back and give you some update on how things are. So no. yeah, yeah, no, it's it it is encouraging, and I I think the the work I've been doing in Cambodia for so many years uh, now, for about twelve years, seeing some of the mm -hmm. changes, seeing some of the conversations, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 listening to what's going on, and even in, you know, even in the in the in the media, seeing that mm -hmm. things that are being talked about today weren't being talked about ten years ago. So right. these kinds of things bring me hope. So Smita, are you hopeful? I mean, I. I mean, I usually save that question to the end of my interviews, especially mm -hmm. when I'm talking to somebody who does such difficult, challenging work. Are you hopeful? Are things changing? Are things getting better? Things are. Things have in the last few years. Our courts are getting more post-conviction. The law enforcement is more active. They are doing so many more rescues right now. Um, I'm just so hopeful when I see my girls leave the home, just live independent lives, in jobs, just just emotionally healed, coming to know the Lord, being able to forgive themselves, being able mm -hmm. to move on in their lives, in marriages, having families. Uh, it's just so much uh, of joy that I see in their lives and just feel so encouraged every day because just, just that change that, uh, that I've been able to be a small part of that transformation that God has brought in their lives, it's, it's 
huge encouragement for me. And I believe going forward on these prevention programs, I believe it might not happen in my lifetime, mm. but if I can get it started and people start talking about it 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now, I'm hopeful that there will not be demands for young girls uh, or women at all in the sex Great. Where, where does the um, where do the local authorities sit with this? I mean, you know, from the west, seeing what we we get to see about the 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 more horrific, I guess, the mm-hmm. rapes that we've read mm-hmm. about, the the more controversial cases. There was a documentary recently re- uh, yes. made that caused quite a bit of controversy. That's what we hear about. Mm-hmm. What what's happening at at would you say at a civil level, and then what's happening at a government level? Are 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 you as Mahima? Are you individually getting support from the people that you feel you need to be supported by? Yes. Uh, with regard to law enforcement and courts, we find that, that there has been a huge change mm. in the last three or four years. Uh, at the civil level, more and more people are getting just outraged about what is right. going on because it has just shot up. I mean, it's incredible. Either it's just being reported more right now but it's so much in the news every single day that there's so much abuse happening against women that there is a sense of that something is very wrong with our society right now. But again, it's a small group. It's not everybody. So everyone is just so busy in getting on with their lives that uh, they look at the news, oh yeah, another child has been raped and, and put the newspaper down. That's just news for them. But there is a growing group of young people um, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of people who are in, um, you know, theater, in, uh, in in movies, and just who are writers, and they're just feeling that this is going very wrong, and something needs to be done about that. So I'm very hopeful that people will be coming together to uh, address this and to make sure that our society becomes much more safer for uh, children and women. You said something earlier about you know often I've I've heard um, I'm actually emceeing a an event coming up in June the Alliance Against Modern Slavery um, mm-hmm. Carly Sapoznik here in Toronto has been been running an event for about three or four mm-hmm. years and she's mm-hmm. the director of this organization and so kind of familiar with some of the work that you do and so on and I have heard some argue that poverty is definitely connected to trafficking and the sex trade and so on but you used you know you said poor people don't sell their children no and and i think you're absolutely right um is it is it greed is it is it a disregard for for human life is it is it just gender is it just is it gender disparity at, at a higher it's level i mean all I mixed together david because poverty is one of the push factors which allows parents to let their children go but it's not only poverty. So the lack of education, lack of awareness, the gender discrimination, the, the just feeling that, okay, it's okay to let my girl go because if she's one less mouth for me to feed because mm. I have so many kids. It's sometimes also uh, the society, I mean, difference in the community which they belong to. Some communities, they have um, higher disregard for, uh, you know, their girls. I mean, they don't care because they have so many uh, some other, like I'm telling you, in this last 10 years, I have rescued maybe over 600 girls or being involved in the rescue in some way. The only one girl I have found who was Christian. Wow. And that makes me think that maybe the church is doing a good job of mm. either protecting their children, because, I mean, maximum churches will have very poor people who are as part of their congregation. 
that they are not selling their kids. Or uh, I, I'm not sure whether the men are going to the brothels or not. That's another study for us to do. Right. But that, but it just tells me that there is a sense that your children are valued in the church. So uh, if the church can do that in a small way, and I don't see except for one girl any Christians being trafficked, so why can't we use that platform to share with people that you know this is what Jesus teaches us about respecting right. women. This is how. He dealt with women, and he respected the women with him at equal power with everybody else. And use that to reach people who are um, just just think that mm-hmm. they're just so dispensable. One of the things I've, that's often frustrated me, Smita, and it's partially my personality, it's partially that I'm a, a philosopher sort of academically mm-hmm. and I like to ask questions, is that it seems to me... Um, in most uh, subcultures, whether it's the Rotary Club or the church or a corporate environment, people are not, for the most part, open. They're not transparent. Mm-hmm. They they hold things back. They're not willing to talk about things like sex and religion mm-hmm. and politics mm-hmm. and death, mm-hmm. the things that I think matter the most, mm-hmm. you know, these issues that are fundamental to who we are as humans. What what is Indian culture like in that sense? I mean, my guess is it's probably it's the same. fairly re- it's, repressed. Would you say it's repressed? Yes, it is. Because, I mean, on one hand, they have such a huge market for sex. Yes. But on the other hand, when we try to put in sex education with teaching the children you know, what it is about uh, being safe, uh, the government doesn't allow us to do that. Which is... Like, we can't talk about these things. It's so ironic, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's just tragically ironic. Yeah, so we were trying, in fact, at one point of time to include that as part of the sex education for kids in schools. And we were like, no, who's going to take these sessions? I mean, the teachers will not do it. We can't have it there. It's going to giving too much information to the children. But if they're not informed about things, how do they make good choices for themselves? Mm-hmm. So that's how it works. But uh, slowly I find that at least the churches now are beginning to talk about issues like human trafficking. They are beginning to talk when, you know, there are issues like the great cases that happen. We had a very controversial case um, two years ago when a young lady who was out with her friends in the evening and she met some people and they offered her a lift and she left with them and she got raped. And our chief minister at that point of time, she's a woman, and she had said that, you know, what was she doing in a nightclub? And she deserves that. Right. So this is as if she it's was not just the men. That yeah. She was but, she was being held responsible for that. Yes, and they still are. Every time that happens, if you've seen that uh, documentary, India's Daughter, that's what these guys who are going to be hanged because of what they did, they still think that oh, she should not have visited. I saw I saw one of the clips, Mita, and it's deeply yes. disturbing. The yes. one the one man who basically is showing no remorse. No, whatsoever, nothing. and nothing. he's going to and he's going to basically go to the gallows. This was still mm-hmm. her fault; it's mm-hmm. not my fault. Mm-hmm. So that's how it is. But then slowly they are uh, beginning to make, have these discussions in church and talk about it, and have people come and speak to the congregation yeah. and share that. So I think that's a good good sign. Sme- Smita, what do, what do you do to recharge? How do you how do you <laughs> smile? <laughs> how do you sleep you know, at night? Yes, the thing is that when I walk into the home, David, uh, it's such a good place to be in mm. when I walk in every day. Mm. And that is my, like, recharge battery. It's like right. that one go in and they get recharged because these children, um, you would think that of all the stuff that they've experienced, that they would not smile, they would yes. not laugh, they would not. 
but it is just so different. And they have bad days where they're in conflict or they're upset or they're angry or something has triggered something in them. But overall, these girls are so resilient. I mean, I cannot yeah, imagine even having really. gone through a little bit of what they have and still be functional. But so, they are. So we we kind of come back to that whole notion of hope. So you you mm-hmm. the, and hope and resilience, and I think it's absolutely beautiful. I think it speaks to the you know to the strength of the human spirit, to the strength of children. I have a seven and a nine year old, and I I'm yes they're very sensitive and so on, but they're also very resilient, and right. and and they are you know they're 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 uh, amazed by wonder and the mystery of the world around them and relationships mm-hmm. and so on and. And I, I continue to be amazed by them and how, how they react and how they respond. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you believe in the healing that is, is happening and, and you're, you're, you're seeing it happen. Yes, yeah. I do. And that is so encouraging and yeah. rewarding for me to see that. Of course. I mean, talk about, that's, talk about recharging your batteries, capital mm-hmm. R. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's amazing. Amazing. So what, what is... So what's the future for you? Is it is it to grow the work that you're doing in these homes? Is it to become more of an advocate at a government level, would you say, a yes, global level? Both of that. Mm-hmm. Global, I'm not so sure, but <laughs> locally. Well, you're in, you're in Toronto. You're in Canada speaking. I so, guess. Yeah. I guess I am. And I want to talk about that in a second, about the organization uh-huh. briefly that you're with, Partners International. But, uh, um, yeah, so I would say you're yeah. pretty global yeah, so already. For me sweetie. right now, um, the homes, the three homes we have, mm-hmm. I think that's at where we are at Max to take care of that because it is expensive, David, to mm-hmm. run these aftercare facilities at the quality of care that we do provide. I bet. So to just to be good stewards of the resources we receive, I think this is a good place to be in, and uh, uh, we will be focusing, like I said, to reach maybe you know thousands of people, boys and girls and families in the next maybe five years, so that to see in a larger way, to go wider. Like with this, it is more deep, um, going deep into the lives of these girls to bring change, but going wider and addressing more people and reaching more people and getting the message across that it's not right to sell your children or let your children go. You need to keep them safe and respect women. So that is my agenda right now. And, um, yeah, maybe at the local level, we do have some networks that are kind of working against the issue. There are people who want to legalize the whole system of um, prostitution in India. It is legal for adults, but they just want some more changes in that, and we try to oppose that. So getting all that in place and, um, yeah, working with the governments to uh, smoothen out the repatriation process to Bangladesh and Nepal and being part of those discussions, that is also part of my role right now. So, uh, yeah, it's good. And globally, well, if I can do my little bit in reaching people, um, I'm happy to do that. And uh, I've been coming here now for the last five years. Oh, okay, good. When I, when I came in 2011, um, most places I would speak at and talk about human trafficking was, oh, it doesn't happen in Canada. Right. But right. now I'm hearing so much that there are networks, there are people working for these girls. Uh, it's definitely a big part of where um, Canada's leading. I mean, there's a lot of trafficking, prostitution going here. And even yesterday, I was encouraged to hear that someone I met two years ago is now involved in trying to set up a safe house in the new market area. So I remember that when we had discussions and I said, I'm happy, I shared all my protocols with her. And um, 
I'm just so encouraged to see that that is actually yeah, happening. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes. I mean, you you really do, and I I think myself, it's it's hard to celebrate sometimes, and to 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 say, well, some of the work we are doing is having an impact and uh-huh. making changes, and that that's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you are able to do that, which is really wonderful. Tell me a little bit. A Partners International is an organization that works with a lot of different partners <laughs> around the world doing uh-huh. all kinds of work, and you're here promoting a campaign they're working on right now. Is yes. it called Restored? Yes. So Partners International, actually, when I was working and looking for a partner to set up a home like this, mm-hmm. uh, nobody was uh, interested in doing this, you know, in, okay. two, in 2008 and six and seven. And finally, in 2009, Partners International uh, partners with my parent organization, which is called JKPS, for the last 35 years, and they were the only one who came forward saying, okay, if this is a need in Calcutta, we will stand by you and we will support you and um, work with this. And they have just been this huge rock of support for Mm. the last uh, five years and will continue to do so. And I just feel so blessed to have found uh, partners like this who allow me to do what I do best and uh, just walk with me in the vision that we have for our city. And, uh, yeah, just being with us, guiding us, helping us, never kind of directing us that we need to do this and you need to do it this way or that way. We just encourage us as uh, national leaders to take what we know best and take that forward. Right. And they're always there to support us in that. So it's been a great relationship, and I just love the people here in oh, the that's office. That's amazing. Well, Samita, thank you so much for joining me today. I uh, and I, I just what a delight chatting to you, and I'm encouraged and also kind of horrified, I suppose, at the same time mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world. And it's always a good reminder to me that there is more to be done, but there's lots of things to be celebrated as well. And and uh, it sounds like you're doing incredible work. So let's um, let's uh, uh, Samita Singh, folks from um, Mahimia, India, and that's M A H I M A I N D I A dot org. We'll uh, put a link on the website at partnersinternational.ca. Check them out. They're an organization doing great work around the globe. Again, thanks so much uh, for joining me today, Samita. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, David. I enjoyed talking with you.